Let's get it going. It is midday on the Rural Radio Network. Brand new week here. A brand new bunch of topics that we need to discuss with you. And we'll get right to it here. We have Susan Littlefield to tell us what's going on in the agricultural stuff. And we have a new uh, ag stock show director coming into the picture for Exarbon, huh? We do. They made the big announcement at the Nebraska State Fairgrounds. Of course, that's where Exarbon takes place now. A lot of unique changes coming that way, so we'll hear more about that coming up at 12.19 as Shaley Peters will bring us that updated report. Then taking place over the midday at 12.45, Kevin Thielen is Executive Director of the Kansas Beef Council. He'll talk how Kansas beef checkoff dollars go to help fund beef research projects. Also talking about the board's decision when it came to where those funds would go to. And then we wrap it all up at 1.17 as Bryce will talk with Congressman Jeff Fortenberry working to find a solution to expensive health insurance for rural America. So some things happening on this kind of rainy Monday from the farm team. Yeah, we, uh, and I jumped into that uh, a little bit too quickly there because I know you had a very eventful weekend. How did things go with the graduation and everything? I survived. I only cried when he handed me my rose. Um, Brian graduated from um, high school yesterday, and a, less than a week he leaves for the U.S. Army. So mm-hmm. it might be an emotional roller coaster uh, week for this mama, but it was a good weekend. Okay, very good. Well, glad to see it and glad you survived in one piece. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, it's Jason Jorgensen here. And uh, what's on the sports agenda for this week? Huskers have lost another receiver. Uh, Keen Williams, of course, he was a son of former wide receivers coach Keith Williams. He'd said all the right things during the spring about, you know, new coaching staff moving in and all of that. But uh, he's decided to uh, leave the program. Uh, he will have the ability to be a graduate transfer and play somewhere immediately. So right. best of luck to him. Sounds like a good kid, good kid, but just didn't want to stick around in Lincoln with all of the changes coming up. Fortunately, the Husker baseball team unable to change their fortunes for this year. They won the first game on Friday against Indiana, but then dropped the last two. They more than likely, barring a miracle, are not going to be a participant of the Big Ten tournament, mm-hmm. which is being hosted in Omaha. And who would have figured that? Yeah, that's not... <laughs> when Omaha went out and secured the bid for that, I don't think that thought ever crossed anyone's mind. No, to say, well, not at all. Well, what if the Huskers don't make it? Then they probably won't. And uh, big news this morning, the Supreme Court has struck down a federal law that bars gambling on football, basketball, baseball, and other sports in most states, giving states the go-ahead to legalize betting on sports. Or the go-ahead to pass a law against it. Exactly. So I bet there are some people for and against (laughs) what went down today. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because that means uh, actually there's no law in place for a lot of the country right now, Mm -hmm. and and it would take, in some cases, a special session to get something in before football season. Yeah, and they think 32 states within five years will have some kind of betting, so probably not the great news they were looking for out in uh, Vegas. I wouldn't think so. All right, very good. Bob Brogan on business. Stocks are climbing in midday trading as investors hope the trade tensions are easing between the U.S. and China. Also, Facebook has suspended about 200 apps. Uh, Sears has a committee that's exploring the sale of the Kenmore brand. And uh, also, uh, Warren Buffett will again auction a private lunch for charity, something he likes to do. He likes to uh, spread some of his money around. All right. I'll, I'll bet 298 on that one. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Does that, will that work? Yeah. They'll accept work. that? <laughs> Not a chance. 
This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Perkins steps in with a look at our ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. I was going to say just about everything I own is getting wet rot outside. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the grass, you name it, it is wet out there. We had another good band of shower and thunderstorm activity move through overnight last night and dropped in many locations about a third to a fifth. Uh, half an inch of rain. Right now, that rain is into far eastern Nebraska and northeast Kansas, basically from about Omaha and Lincoln now to just east of Beatrice to Manhattan, Kansas. That's left us with some cool temperatures, mostly in the upper 50s to low 60s in Nebraska, and then some warmer 60s to around 70 over northern Kansas. We're set up in a blocking pattern right now. Low pressure remains nearly stationary off to our west, and that will continue to generate several chances for thunderstorms over the next several days. The exception will be tomorrow. Our threat for severe weather today, the greatest over far southeast Nebraska into eastern Kansas, or if you're along the east of a line from Falls City to Salina where there is a slight risk of severe storms. It's going to be dry and warmer for a brief time tomorrow when some high pressure builds overhead, but then we return to a more active pattern for the midweek into the late part of the week. That main low will start to finally kick onto the plains for Friday and Saturday. That will give us our best chance of thunderstorms the next seven days on Friday night. Right now, it's still uncertain if there will be much of a severe weather threat. Temperatures will be seasonal to warmer than normal this week before we see a cool down this weekend. Behind a cold front, that's going to cool us off pretty good. Frost may be possible this weekend in some north and west areas of Nebraska, something to watch for. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas will go through that short period of near-normal to below-normal temperatures this weekend and early next week. Now, the forecast turns quickly to warmer than normal the middle of next week through May 27th, which is the Sunday before Memorial Day. Near-normal to slightly above-normal rainfall will continue in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through the 27th. Soil temperatures 4 inches down at 7 this morning, as cool as the low 50s, along and north of a line from Norfolk to Broken Bow and Ogallala. Most other locations in Nebraska and to northwest Kansas with soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s. The low and mid-60s for soil temperatures in southeast Nebraska into central and southwest Kansas. Most other locations in southern Kansas and the east in the upper 60s to right near 70. Key weather factors driving the markets include an active weather pattern for the Midwest, some rain chances across the southern plains, and rain later this week for central Brazil. An active weather pattern of frequent rain in the Midwest the next 10 days will continue to disrupt the corn and soybean planting. If crops are already planted, though, it's going to be very favorable for the soil moisture. The heat is becoming a bit of a problem in the Delta, where depleting soil moisture is increasing the stress on developing corn. More rain needed to support the jointing and heading of winter wheat over western portions of the southern plains. Some of that rain is possible the next seven days, but more favorable moisture expected over eastern areas of the southern plains. In central Brazil, a quarter to one inch of rain and cooler weather later this week will ease the crop stress for second crop corn that's right now starting to pollinate and fill. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it continues to be very active. Tomorrow looks to be our lone warm and dry day, but otherwise uh, staying active this week for some rain and thunderstorm chances for us. I was not sleeping. I just <laughs> want to go on the record. I was not sleeping. In the middle of something, you yes. Just, you just caught me off guard. <laughs> no, it was brought to you by Coleman Repair. That little pregnant pause there was brought to you by Coleman Repair. A little moment of calm in your day. So you could soak in that weather exactly information. Right. Ponder yeah. it away. Like we need to soak in anymore. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, so I, I have to ask you, though, a blocking pattern. That sounds like something that Scott Frost talks about. <laughs> what is a blocking yeah, pattern? Yeah, nothing to do with football. Yeah, it's kind of like a blocking pattern because uh, a good offensive line basically built up to yeah. stop uh, any weather from happening or changing because you just kind of usually go through the constant change of high pressure, low pressure okay. moving through and changing the weather. But right now we're just kind of stuck in a pattern of unsettled weather because that low is stationed off to our west. Got it. Okay. And answer me one more question. Yeah. When you need weather anytime, you can go to krvn.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network as soybeans are sitting almost 20 cents higher on the day. Helped out by rumors that the U.S. and China are near reaching a deal on trade. And if so, it's rumored that could possibly remove tariffs against U.S. soybean imports. A lot of skepticism, however. July corn, 397 and a quarter. September, 405 and three quarters. December, 415 and a quarter. All three, up three quarters. July soybeans, 1022 and three quarters, up 19 and a half. August, 1026 and a quarter, up 19. And November, 1027 and three quarters, up 13 and a half. The wheat trade still in the red with July Chicago, 495, down three and three quarters. Kansas City, July, 513 and a quarter, down four and three quarters. September, 532 and a quarter, down four and a quarter. Minneapolis, July wheat, 603 and a half, down one and a half. Big losses in cattle futures today. June live cattle, 105.42, down 220. August, 102.75, down 167. October, 105.95, down 152. December, 110.40, down 140. May feeder cattle, 136.35, now down 207. August, 141.05, down 285. September, 141.65, down 232. October 142.22, down 225. The May lean hog contract down 5 at 65.25 as it's settled today. June up 92 at 76.02. July up $1.40 at 78.37. The Dow is up 85 now at 24,917. NASDAQ up 15 at 7,418. And the S&P 500 unchanged at 2,729. It's time to give back to your roots and make this your best growing season with Radiate. Radiate's patented formulation of plant growth regulators help develop longer, stronger, healthier roots to improve nutrient uptake. And now, when you give back to your roots, you give back to FFA. CPS and Radiate are proud to partner with national FFA alumni and supporters chapter grant programs across the country. Ask your CPS dealer about Radiate or go online to RadiateRoots.com for more details. Always read and follow label directions. Check registration in your state. This is Terry Haney, director of the Nebraska LEAD program. For 37 years and with over 1,000 alums, the LEAD program is recognized as one of the very finest agricultural leadership development programs in our country today. If you are currently involved in production agriculture or agribusiness and are in the general age range of 25 to 55 and would like to further develop your leadership skills, call me at 402-472-6810. Nebraska LEAD Group 38 will begin in the fall of 2018. The application deadline is June 15th. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue continues his fourth Back to Our Roots tour, which will take him to Colorado, Wyoming, and right here in Nebraska this week. 
The U.S. Secretary of Agriculture will be in Colorado starting tomorrow to visit Food Maven, hold a town hall with Agriculture Commissioner Don Brown and American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall, participate in a roundtable on agriculture labor issues, and then join up with Governor John Hickenlooper and tour Laprino Foods. Secretary Purdue is embarking on his fourth Back to Our Roots tour to hear ideas and concerns from local farmers, ranchers, producers, foresters, agriculture students, business owners, community leaders, and U.S. Department of Agriculture employees. The tour will last through Thursday and includes stops in New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. During the remaining segments of the tour, Secretary Purdue will also be joined by Governor Pete Ricketts, Agriculture Director Doug Miyamoto of Wyoming, and Director of Agriculture Steve Wellman here in Nebraska. As far as his stop in Nebraska, Secretary Purdue, Governor Ricketts, and Director Wellman will tour Ackerman Ag Service and Supply before the Secretary and Governor participate in a discussion on various rural issues with local leaders. And sudden death syndrome, or SDS, has steadily arisen as a primary disease concern for soybean growers. Susan Littlefield has more. There's a perception out there that soybeans planted later in the spring or early summer tend to avoid major SDS problems. However, that may come at a cost in the form of lower yield potential. This potential SDS trade-off gave rise to new K-State research. Agronomist Eric Aidey said he discovered that the gain in yield by planting soybeans on an earlier end of the planting spectrum more than offsets any losses incurred by SDS. We found that you do get more SDS when you plant earlier. But what our research has shown the last three years is that we do get more yield. And I think what is going on is that we actually have, especially with the more tolerant varieties, a much higher yield potential. SDS may cut off some of that top yield potential, but it'll still yield more than if you wait to the middle of May or later to plant. Comments coming from K-State agronomist Eric Aidey. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And April was a strong month for combine and mixed tractor sales. April saw U.S. sales of self-propelled combines jumping 59% compared to the same month last year and a 21% gain for April year-to-date combine sales. According to the latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, U.S. four-wheel drive tractor sales gained 2% in April compared to last year with year-to-date April gains of 4% over last year. We saw that 2017 was better than 2016 and in 2018 growth is sluggish but still positive, said Kurt Blades, AEM senior vice president ag services the downward trend in net farm income obviously is a concern since it is such a big factor in equipment sales a bright spot if you will is the impact of continued replacement of aging machines one downside is the continued threat of u.s protectionism on farmers businesses as well as for equipment manufacturers so there's still a lot of uncertainty with the year one-third over and u.s secretary of agriculture sunny purdue announced Friday, the appointment of Richard Fordyce to serve as administrator of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency. In his role, Fordyce will provide leadership for FSA and its mission to support agricultural production across America through a network of over 2,100 county and 50 state offices. Fordyce most recently served as state executive director for FSA in Missouri, and prior to his appointment by the Trump administration, Fordyce served as the director of the Missouri Department of Agriculture culture from 2013 to 2017. You're listening to Ag News on the Rural Radio Network. 
The Nebraska State Fair and Exarban announce their partnership. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And our guest today is Greg Harder. And Greg, along with the announcement that the Nebraska State Fair will become the show's event administrator, it was announced also that you will be the new stock show director for Exarban and you were brought on upon this agreement coming into place and so just start off by telling us a little bit about what you will what duties you will have within your new role uh, first off it's just super exciting for me to be out here and uh, my duties in the capacity as as the stock show director are to, to oversee really from A to Z uh, as far as how the show is going to get pulled off that last week of September. Um, you know, things from, you know, initially just making contacts, getting superintendents, uh, getting officials, uh, lining up uh, things like, you know, where are we going to get the bedding from and who's going to take it away from us, you know, those uh, general things that uh, every stock show goes through. Uh, but I think more importantly, uh, my my job or opportunity, I like to look at it more as an opportunity, is to just get the word out to the 10 states that are participating states in Exarban that uh, we have just a wonderful uh, venue, a wonderful event planned for everyone. Uh, this year it's goat sheep uh, as well as pigs and beef cattle. And uh, those four events along with a judging contest and a uh, nationally uh, uh, recognized quiz bowl for each quiz bowl are going to be events that will make the summer go by very quick. Really, in all, when you think about it, pretty quick turnaround for getting it ready for 2018. What are some of the changes that will be made? I know it was very clear when the announcement was made. There aren't any huge disruptions or anything like that, but some exciting changes for the exhibitors that you noted. The uh, We're really excited that in the both the sheep and the goat division, uh, we have added the breeding female side to it so the exhibitors can not only bring a market lamb or a market goat, but they can bring in their breeding does or their breeding sheep uh, for exhibition as well. Uh, we're trying to streamline the check-in process so all of the market animals will simply be checked in and instead of going through the scale, we'll be using a way card system, which for many 4-H'ers is new but they're going to find out that it, it is really the best way to go. Instead of standing in line for three, four hours weighing sheep, uh, we're going to weigh the entire show in probably less than two hours. And so that makes that uh, a whole lot easier. Uh, with anything, when, when you're trying to make, make a show flourish and make a good first impression, uh, we did have to make some difficult decisions as far as the broiler show uh, and as far as the, uh, the dairy show. Uh, that we just suspended them for one year and then uh, with the intent of bringing back uh, broilers, rabbits, as well as probably dairy for the 19, or 2019 show. And so uh, just as I look forward in my own mind, uh, the success that I just know uh, is out there to be had for 2018, uh, just every year kind of build on things and it's going to be just a wonderful event. All right, thanks so much. Greg Harder, the newly announced stock show director of Exarban, as they partner up with the Nebraska State Fair. The State Fair will take over as show's event administrator here in 2018. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peter.
It's midday on the Rural Radio Network and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Keon Williams, the son of former wide receivers coach Keith Williams, is leaving the Husker football program. He made his announcement via Twitter today. Now, he will have the chance to be a graduate transfer and play somewhere immediately this fall. After setting out the 2016 season per NCAA transfer rules, he saw action in just three games last year because of a hamstring injury. Well, after a good start to its series against Indiana with a victory on Friday night, the Husker baseball team ended up dropping the last two games against the Hoosiers. They lost yesterday 8-6, to and head coach Darren Erstad breaks down Nebraska's latest defeat. Uh, but we just we didn't have anything to put them away with. You know, they get to two strikes, and, and, and they just kept falling pitches off, falling pitches off. And, you know, we just, again, we, we've really struggled with, with the height of our pitches this year. And, you know, they fall off a couple good pitches, and we make a mistake, and they smash it. Erstad made his comments on the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska now sets at just 23-26 and 26 overall, 7-12 and 12 in Big Ten action. They'll wrap up the regular season at Illinois with a three-game series that begins on Thursday. Husker track team competed over the weekend at the Big Ten Track and Field Championships. The men finished third, while the women were fifth. Game two of the Western Conference Finals is tonight when Golden State is at Houston. That one starts at 8. Yesterday, the Celtics, they knocked off the Cavaliers 108-83 in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Big news in the courts today as the Supreme Court has struck down a federal law that bars gambling on football, basketball, baseball, and other sports in most states giving states the go-ahead to legalize betting on sports. The Supreme Court struck down the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. That 1992 law barred state-authorized sports gambling with some exceptions. It made Nevada the only state where a person could wager on the results of a single game. Now, one research forum estimated before the ruling that if the Supreme Court were to strike down the law, 32 states would likely offer sports betting within five years. The court's decision comes in a case from New Jersey, which has fought for years to legalize gambling on sports at casinos and racetracks in that state. And a sad note here, Chuck Knox, a veteran NFL coach, led the Seattle Seahawks for nine years and took the L.A. Rams to three straight NFC Championship games, has died. He was 86. Knox went 186-147-1 during 22 seasons as an NFL coach, including two stints with the Rams. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. KRVN Sports at Midday is a presentation of the Woodhouse Auto Family. Tonight in Nebraska, chances of thunderstorms continuing again. Lows in the mid-50s in the east and central to the upper 40s in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. Webster County Sheriff's Office says an accident involving a tractor pulling a planter has claimed the life of a red cloud man. The man was driving a tractor northbound on Highway 281 across the Republican River Bridge south of Red Cloud in southern Nebraska when the accident occurred Friday evening. Sheriff Troy Schmidt says a planter hit the guardrail on the south side of the bridge and hooked some concrete which spun the tractor and planter over the side of the bridge causing it to land on the cab of the tractor. The man was identified as 61-year-old David Molman of Red Cloud. Red Cloud Fire and Ambulance assisted at the scene. A 70-year-old man has died in an Omaha apartment fire. Firefighters were sent to the scene around 2.45 Saturday afternoon and found that the fire had burned itself out because there wasn't much oxygen in the apartment. The victim was found sitting upright. The fire appeared to have been started by smoking materials on a couch. An autopsy was scheduled. The man's name 
hasn't been released. The suspect in a countywide manhunt in northeast Nebraska has been apprehended, according to Antelope County Sheriff Bob Moore. Moore told the Antelope County News this morning that Jordan Repke was taken into custody. Repke was arrested east of Tilden. The manhunt began Sunday afternoon and Repke fled on foot after being approached by officers outside the Antelope County Law Enforcement Center. Moore said Repke was a passenger in a vehicle with a female who was at the Antelope County Jail for a video visitation with an inmate. In June 2016, Repke was sentenced to two to four years in the Nebraska Department of Corrections on burglary, assault, a third degree, and disturbing the peace. On January 4th, Repke was released on parole. Business and homes around Neely and Oakdale were searched along with ditches along Highway 275 and the Elkhorn River. Major League Baseball has issued a statement saying a Supreme Court ruling will have profound effects on the league. The court struck down a federal law that bars gambling on football, basketball, and baseball and other sports in most states. MLB says the most important priority is protecting the integrity of their games. It says it will continue supporting legislation, creating partnerships between the state, the casino operators, and the governing bodies in sports towards that goal. Some marijuana growers in Oregon are starting to grow another type of cannabis to make ends meet. A glut of legal marijuana has driven Oregon pot prices to rock-bottom levels. So some growers are applying for state licenses to grow hemp. It's marijuana's non-intoxicating cousin. From hemp comes an oil that costs thousands of dollars per kilogram. It delivers health benefits without the high. Storm Center coverage, always live and local. Catch it on air on Twitter, Facebook, and online at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Beef is by far one of the most popular proteins across the globe and especially in the U.S., but it takes a lot of research and development to make sure that beef stays at the center of the protein plate. We dive deeper into beef research and more here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. To discuss this more, we go to state beef councils, and that we're talking with Kansas Beef Council Director Kevin Thielen. And Kevin, we thank you for joining us. And the state beef councils and the federal checkoff, they're all working with beef checkoff dollars. Kevin, as we get started, let's talk about the beef checkoff dollars that Kansas has. And Kansas, to see the most bang for their buck, pools their checkoff money with other states to help see the most return and most investment possible in research. Talk to us about that. First off, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to kind of expand on kind of the structure of the checkoff and, and how we do things. And if, if you think about uh, when you invest or when you pay into the checkoff, if you sell a calf and a dollar is collected, by law that dollar is it comes to the qualified state beef council, which in Kansas is the Kansas Beef Council, and fifty cents goes to the Cattlemen's Beef Board, and the other fifty cents is directed by the state beef council. So in Kansas, uh, we have twenty-seven board members who would who would represent all segments of our beef industry. So stocker operators, uh, purebred operators, cow-calf feeders, kind of the whole gauntlet, and, and, and auction market owners and operators too. And the reason that's set up that way is because you want a very diverse perspective, if you will, on any topic that we're kind of talking about. And so hopefully the aim is to make the best decision that we can. With that as a little bit of a backdrop, Kansas then has a history of investing 35 cents of our 50 cents automatically into something called the Federation of State Beef Councils. Now that is part 
of NCBA and all a lot of state beef councils come together and they invest funds that then are also used on, I'm going to call them national level projects. Basically, the reason that I think that's a good thing or that that's a benefit is by pooling those dollars, you actually can probably get more robust research done or more robust promotions or whatever you're kind of doing to doing that collectively than having 40 kind of individual states trying to do something on their own. When our board has looked at research, research, because you're talking about a food animal, is actually very expensive. And any time to get data that you feel like you can make good decisions on, you know, there's quite a cost that goes with that. And so we rely very heavily on research that's done at the national level the NCBA has staff members such as Mandy Carr Johnson, who's a PhD, and her specialty is beef safety, or Dr. Shailene McNeil, who's a doctor in human nutrition, but also a registered dietitian. Those are just a couple of the areas that, you know, there's a lot of research that goes on in. But I think, Clay, back to your kind of intro, there's a lot of challenges that we have in the beef kind of community. So I think having that ability to take on and look at areas that need improvement or that might be risk, we really need to kind of be on our A game. And so that's why our board has invested dollars into that pool of money, because it seems to be the most efficient way to do that. Kevin, it, the Kansas Beef Council has a very active voice when it comes to what those these checkoff dollars and that $0.35, cents, how it is used and, and in what process. So Kevin, if you could, is there a process that Beef Council members can go through if they see an area that needs attention? maybe needs a, a research or someone to look at. Is there a way that that can be brought to light, brought to attention? Shout to staff at the Kansas Beef Council, uh, one, and, and please know even if it's in any area, we take it very seriously when producers reach out to us and ask questions, uh, provide input, uh, things of that nature. But also, you know, our board members are a great conduit. And more often than not, if there's an area that uh, might be concerning to people, it comes through our board members, and that's a lot of times how things kind of get looked at. And on the state level, we peel back a little bit further and we talk about so the, the, our operating budget here in the state of Kansas. When we're looking at research proposals, we've actually broken our board up into kind of smaller groups who look at things and have the ability to really dive into processes and projects so that they can, for example, done some consumer research, trying to understand what exactly that consumer's thinking. It's been really helpful to have smaller groups who take the time to kind of study what issues are, and then those smaller groups kind of can have that, can lead the discussion when we have a full board because as you know, when you have a, a board meeting sometimes and you've got 27 people, it's, it's hard for everyone to have a voice and, and talk through things. So that so these smaller groups have really allowed us to try to make sure we're kind of heading down the right path, if you will. That again, Kevin Thielen, Executive Director of the Kansas Beef Council, talking to us today about checkoff dollars and how Kansas helps put that towards the national level to work with other state beef councils in a cooperative effort for research and development dollars, keeping beef at the center of the plate. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. 
and has been the case as far as the trading session goes. Wheat has been lower, soybeans higher, and corn near steady. July corn is unchanged at 396 and a half. September 404 and three quarters down a quarter. December's unchanged at 414 and a half. July soybeans have come off the highs, but still 15 and a half higher at 1018 and three quarters. August 1022 and a half up 15 and a quarter. November 1024 and a quarter up 10. Chicago July wheat 491 and three quarters down seven. Kansas City July 510 and three quarters down seven and a quarter. September 529 and three quarters down six and three quarters. Minneapolis July wheat 601 and three quarters down three and a quarter. Huge losses in cattle futures with June live cattle down the three dollar limit today at 104.62. That means expanded limits tomorrow. August live cattle settled 101.90 down 252. October 105.27 down 220. December down a dollar 80 at 110 even. And February 112.45 down 15. That should be down 215. May feeder cattle settled 135.40 down 302. August 140.37 down 352. September 140.80 down 317. October 141.55 down 292. June lean hogs settled 76.15 up 105. July 78.72 up 175. Wall Street this hour. The Dow up 42 at 24,874. NASDAQ up 5 at 7,408. The S&P 500 down 3 at 2,726. The momentum is building. This summer, five great seed brands will join forces to form the new LG Seeds. Rooted in a long history of enduring relationships, local expertise, and leading genetics, this powerful team is ready to roll up its sleeves and help you grow. Producers hybrids will soon be LG Seeds. Same great yields, same great service. New name. Talk to your producers hybrids dealer or visit lgseeds.com for details. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in and around the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment. And ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. Next, we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about livestock futures trade. Not a good day for the cattle. Oh, no, sir. Limit down in the uh, nearby June contract. Uh, uh, so, obviously, the rest of them uh, following uh, with triple-digit losses. So, not a very good day at all. Uh, started out lower and just uh, continued to grind lower all day long. Uh, Basically, uh, a lot of disappointment over uh, the trade last week uh, being uh, a little bit weaker than uh, than anticipated. Uh, basically, averaging 122. A lot of people thinking uh, be 124 to uh, 25 did not happen, and uh, that uh, sent kind of like shock waves through the uh, cattle market. And down we came. The feeders following suit with triple-digit losses there, too. So 
very uh, poor day, uh, despite the fact that uh, uh, the cutouts were just a little bit higher at noon, but uh, that that didn't really come into play at all. Um, it was basically the uh, trade that uh, was disappointing. The Hogs, a little bit different. Uh, the only one that finished uh, lower was the uh, nearby and expiring uh, May contract, which finished a nickel lower. Then you uh, ended up with some triple-digit gains uh, through October contracts. Uh, cash seemed to be pretty uh, firm there, and uh, that's one of the reasons. Cutouts are also higher at noon, so that... Uh, I'm sorry, they were lower. Uh, pretty good day for the Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. A potential solution to expensive health insurance in rural America. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Congressman Jeff Fortenberry introduced the Rural Health Insurance Act of 2018, which would provide financial assistance to qualified agriculture associations for group health plans. The Rural Health Insurance Act of 2018 would incentivize new risk-sharing group insurance policies by providing a monetary subsidy. The language from the act was included in the 2018 Farm Bill, which was passed out of the House Agriculture Committee. The bill now awaits floor time, which could come as soon as this week. I spoke with a congressman recently in Washington, D.C. about the issue. Uh, you recall the House of Representatives made a run at health care reform over a year ago, and uh, that was not successful. There were some good things embedded in that bill, such as a government reinsurance mechanism uh, that would try to protect the sickest Americans, and then there were other things that were highly controversial, and it, the effort had collapsed. However, the most important thing that I think that I can do of immediate impact for farm and ranch country is to create the conditions for more affordable health care options. So in the Farm Bill, we have a new mechanism by which we are potentially going to help uh, with a subsidy underwrite the formation of group risk pools to ha give farmers better health care options. So it's a very exciting development, one that could be potentially transformative. There's three problems in health care. One is a lack of access to affordable products, which is a real problem in Nebraska. Secondly, the flexibility of products due to federal mandates. And third is um, what you do when somebody is really, really sick and how do you protect them. And that's the government reinsurance mechanism. This addresses one of those three, a subset of one of those three, but it's really garnering a lot of attention and I'm glad we were able to get it in the Farm Bill. Groups such as the Farm Bureau would be eligible for these funds to create risk-hearing group insurance policies. Rob Robertson is the chief administrator of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. Generally, it, using the Farm Bill and the language of, of Congress and Fortenberry basically would help farm organizations like Farm Bureau uh, develop uh, uh, association health plans. And, you know, there's many hurdles in developing those. you got to, you know, have either, they're either self-funded or you got to find a carrier. you got to get regulatory approval. There's a lot of legal work. And so what he's trying to do is, is help remove some of those hurdles and so the more association health plans could happen. Robertson says that the associations are currently able to provide group health insurance plans, but the regulatory process is large and costly. It is currently legal. Uh, the Trump administration is proposing some regulations to uh, reform it and open it up to make it a little bit easier because right now it's it's 
extremely difficult. I mean, you have to basically the Department of Labor laws and regulations say you have to be a group of employers. And just by saying a group of employers makes it kind of tough in agriculture because of a large number of sole proprietors in our in our you know sector. Opponents say the plans could draw healthier people out of the Affordable Care Act markets, which would then make health insurance higher for those individuals. I, you know, I, I don't really, I don't believe that. I think you can structure association health plans in a way that can still be compliant with Obamacare. That, that, so I don't think you're undercutting the existing marketplace out there. I think you can do it in a way that uh, is open to everybody, uh, that, you know, those with health pre-existing conditions or healthy people. I think you can, as long as you can pool risk in a larger amount, group than one individual, you're gaining on something like this. Reporting in Lincoln, Nebraska, on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. Yay. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The big news today was that rally in soybeans, and it continued right through the session, John. Yeah, uh, kind of based off of a company over in China called ZTE, which produces telecommunications equipment for cell phones and different things. They were hit with a pretty heavy fine uh, due to some things that happened within the tariffs and the, the Iranian and North Korean negotiations. Uh, Trump actually kind of put an olive branch out to them and said that he was going to help them based off of any problems that were due to these tariffs. I think the market took it that as maybe some softening of stance in these negotiations that are going to take place this week between uh, the, I think the Treasury Secretary of China is coming to, the, coming to D.C. Uh, so there's, you know, some optimism there. I think that's where beans are at this point. You know, we catch a move where you're going to, if you're short this board and all of a sudden you get an agreement, I think the market could surge 30, 40 cents, maybe take it all the way up to 1060. I think you got to keep your, your fuel dry there. But what makes it hard is that, you know, you come to the end of the week, there might be a, you know, a misstep in this negotiation. The next thing you know, we're back down to 10. So uh, Mark's going to be a tough trade right now. Anytime you're trading politically, uh, you better be ready to be wrong uh, and have a plan for that because most of us are not going to be able to outguess what, what's happening. Soybeans, kind of that rally being offset by the losses in wheat today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if that's spreading or if it's just simply wheat selling. I mean, really, wheat uh, just taking a tumble across the board, all the contracts. Uh, like to think there's a level here that we could see the market jump back up higher, but I'm more in the camp uh, just due to the scars I've seen in this market from the last five years. Uh, once we start to see these moves come around harvest, you tend to see them follow through, and that probably put the limit on corn and other feed grains in the shorter run uh, as far as rally potential. But uh, I do look for better days in wheat, but they're probably going to come maybe after, uh, you know, with the month of May and the deliveries behind us. Uh, rain's being called for out your way, south of you guys, all the way into the panhandle. I'm not sure how much that helps at this point, but there's, uh, you know, a factor, I think, pushing some of the shorts to the sideline. And the corn, rather, was caught between the two. Yeah, just a tug of war. I think corn is in a good spot here. If, uh, NAFTA would get passed. Uh, be interesting to see what the planted acreage story is tonight. Um, I'd say if we're below 60%, I think these additional rains we get are going to be bear- bullish to the market. If we're above 65 70%, I think they could be bearish. Uh, we'll get it in, but there is a pretty good correlation between getting 75% completed by the end of this week and a yield drag that comes down the road. And I think uh, you know the fact that we wouldn't be looking at above trend yields or his story of it might be enough to get the market moving. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. 
Go to DanielZagMarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network.